Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hey friends, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about some of the top reasons why Christians don't get the help they need with their mental health or emotional health issues. Now you all know that I'm a therapist and I'm a Jesus lover, so I believe that Christians should be in therapy. And for me personally, I only go to see Christian therapists. But I realize that that's not the case for everybody, nor is it the opportunity that everyone has. So for today, I'm going to talk through some of the myths that are keeping Christians from getting the help that they need. The first one has to do with seeing mental health as a sin issue. Now, you may have heard someone in the church or in a book say that oh, Christians can't have depression, or Christians shouldn't be anxious to worry is sin because the Bible says we cast all our cares on Christ. The Bible says do do not be anxious for anything. So if we're worried or we're depressed, that must mean that we're not trusting God. But what you might not have considered is that mental health is actually a health issue. Neuroscience has recently showed us that There are things that happen in your brain that have to do with chemicals and electricity and anatomy that actually don't have anything to do with your spirituality or your heart, but they all work together. So when you're healthy in your spirituality, healthy in your emotions, healthy in your mindset, you can also uh, be healthy in your physical body and vice versa. So what I'd like to suggest is that uh, rather than being a sin issue that your depression or your anxiety or other issues are are caused by uh, some unconfessed sin or some addiction or some habit, uh, that they're actually a chemical issue in your brain and that through therapy and sometimes medication that those things can be addressed. Now, I did just mention medication, and that's going to be something that we're going to talk about a little bit later today as well. But I just want to mention that when you're having a a health issue, say you are diabetic, you don't uh, feel sinful for having to use insulin. When you're a cancer patient, you don't consider it a moral issue if you need to use chemo. Now, that's a broad generalization because I understand that there are some people that believe that all medical treatment is outside of God's will. For most of us, that's not the case. We take NyQuil when we're coughing and we need to get to sleep. We take Advil when we have a headache. Um, For the most part, modern science and and medicine is acceptable to us uh, for most of our physical health issues. 
We understand that we need to exercise, that we need to sleep, that we need to drink water. So why is it that Christians have totally separated brain health from all the other types of physical health? Because if you're suffering from depression or anxiety, it's actually a brain issue. There are neurotransmitters in your brain that are not communicating appropriately. And sometimes we need to form new pathways by changing the way we think, and therapy can help you with that. And sometimes we do need the help of medication to help with that. Other things like exercise and getting a regular sleep pattern can also help change the way your brain is functioning. The second myth that is keeping Christians from going to therapy is this one. Therapists are too liberal. And let me say, I have to agree for the most part. I'm part of several different large Facebook groups that have therapists from all over the world. And let me tell you, they are liberal and progressive. And a lot of people who are Christians in those groups tend to be very careful in what they say because they will get that kind of uh, liberal tongue lashing if you say something that's not considered politically correct or appropriate for today's times. So yes, there are a lot of liberal therapists. There, There are therapists that are into energy healings and different weird kinds of psychology. So I guess I would say when you're choosing a therapist, use your judgment. Be careful. If the therapist that you're choosing has something on their website or in their office that kind of strikes you as the wrong way for uh, a, for a Christian person to be participating in, then don't do that. I want you to know that there are a lot of Christ-following dedicated Christian therapists that you have access to. Now, even if you live in the boonies, you live in a small town that only has one therapist and she's a weirdo that uses crystals, even so, you have access now because of technology. So my personal conviction is that when I need to go to therapy, I only go to Christian therapists. That's not going to be the case for all of you. Now, If you have a certain condition that requires a specialist and there's not a Christian that is a specialist in that area, or your insurance requires you to go to a certain uh, medical facility or something like that, it may be necessary for you to see a therapist who is not a Christian. But for most of us, it will be possible for us to see a Christian therapist, whether that's online in another part of our state or actually in our community. And in a later podcast, I'm going to talk to you about how do you find a Christian therapist that will work with you. Okay, next myth is I can just talk to my pastor or my small group. And I have to tell you, I've encountered this. Recently, I started going back to therapy and my own mom said, don't you have a friend you could talk to this about? And I had to laugh a little bit because even though I am a therapist, none of my family really thinks that therapy is for them. I personally have been to several therapists over the years, so and I became a therapist, so obviously I believe in it. But there are some things that, of course, you're going to talk to your pastor or your, or your friends about, but there are some things that are outside their scope. 
having been in ministry and having been a small group leader for many years, I know that there's sometimes that one small group member that talks about things that are too personal, too heavy for the group, too Uh, complicated to discuss in a group setting when you're actually trying to discuss the Bible or another topic. So a small group is not typically the place to get into deep psychological issues. In the same way, a lot of pastors aren't actually trained to do the counseling that they're doing. Some pastors go to seminary or a Bible school and they may get one or two courses on counseling, but for the most part, Pastors don't have counseling training. Now, they may have a lot of experience talking to people, and they may do better with things like spiritual direction and helping you understand what the Bible says about your issue. That would be their training. However, when it comes to actual mental health issues or more complex family relationship issues, it's going to be wise for you to choose somebody that actually has training in dealing with those types of problems. Um, Your pastor can be a very good resource, can make you feel supported, can pray for you, and hopefully can help point you towards some referrals in your community of people that would be a good fit for you as a therapist. The fourth myth is this one about, I need to have it all together. Now, it's not just Christians that feel this way. Lots of people feel like they need to have it together. Moms feel this way. Dads feel this way. Business people feel this way. Sometimes kids feel this way too. And sometimes as Christians, we have this pressure that, well, since God is in my life, my life should look a lot better than it does. Or if God was really real in my life, I'd have things together. And I just want to encourage you that that's not actually the case. That's not how the gospel works. God shows us that we are sinful and convicts us of our sin and our brokenness. And then he says, I like you anyways. I love you and I died for you. And I want you to come to me and we'll work this stuff out together. Therapy is the same way. You don't have to present an image to your therapist. In fact, If you come in really raw and vulnerable, you get to the work faster. So going to therapy, you might feel like it tarnishes your image, but I'd like to encourage you that a lot of the people that you look up to actually do get help with their mental and emotional problems. I recently heard about another podcast with Deborah Fileda, who is going to be interviewing several Christian leaders who are going to talk about their own experiences with mental health and therapy. So I will link to that in the show notes. Next myth is I won't be able to find a Christian therapist. And as I addressed in the second myth about therapists being too liberal, that that could be true. You might live in a community that is more rural or even a larger community that's very liberal, like some of the, these big cities on the West coast, Um, But I would like to just remind you that after the 2020 pandemic, most therapists are online now, and you may not think that online counseling is quite the same as going to sit on someone's couch, but I have to tell you after uh, 14 months now of doing it that people still make progress and people still enjoy their time learning and growing and breaking down um, pain and trauma even on a screen. 
So that would be one option for you. And then, as I said, we will continue to talk about how do you find a therapist in later podcast episodes. So I don't want you to think that finding a Christian therapist is the thing that's going to hold you back. Next myth, my issues aren't that bad. Therapy is only for serious issues. Therapy is for growth and change and emotional health. So whether you have an actual diagnosis of depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, or uh, a more serious disorder, you can still benefit from therapy. Some of my clients come to therapy because they have someone in their life that actually has a disorder. They don't have the disorder themselves, but it's pretty taxing living and working with someone who does have a mental health disorder. Or someone in your life might have a physical disability or disorder and they, and you provide a lot of support for that person. Sometimes it's nice just to have a person that's all for yourself that you get to talk to. Unlike your relationship with your friends where you feel like the give and take has to be 50-50 and if you come in with a problem, then you're going to end up spending time listening to the other person's problem. Therapy is a a different type of relationship where you get to talk about your stuff and the therapist is completely present for you and you never have to hear about the problems in their life. Now, I say that with a little bit of a disclaimer that I am a therapist that is very relational and use a lot of self-disclosure, meaning sometimes I do talk about what's going on in my life. If I choose to do that with my clients, I'm doing that because I believe that it will make them feel more normal. It will validate what they're feeling. It will make them feel like they're not the only weirdo in the world. So I would never do that to make them feel like they had to take care of me. So that's one of the reasons why therapy can be used for serious issues and less serious issues. Maybe you just want to learn to grow a little bit. Maybe you've been wanting to have a business or a ministry and you just can't seem to get it off the ground. And a therapist might help you figure out what are some of the limiting beliefs that you have or what are some of the emotions that are holding you back. The next myth that I want to talk about is about medication. Um, This myth that my therapist might push meds. Okay, this isn't really a myth because your therapist might talk to you about meds, but I want you to be be um, comforted in the fact that your therapist won't push anything unless you are in danger. So the times when I might get pushy as a therapist is if my client reveals to me that they are in danger of hurting themselves or hurting someone else or a child is being hurt. So in those times, I'm going to be very um, firm about safety measures. Other times, I might feel pretty strongly that my client needs to take medication to resolve some anxiety or depression or mood symptoms, but I will never push them to take medication. Recently, I had a client that said she got fired by her psychiatrist because she wouldn't do a certain medical procedure that the psychiatrist wanted to do. And I, as a therapist, I have to respect those boundaries that she has for herself. Now, I might believe in my heart that it's going to be more difficult for her to get healing without having that uh, medical help, 
but I'm never going to push something. It's the same with my clients that I actually want to use scripture with, or I want to use a certain uh, clinical intervention with. I'm never going to push them to do something that they really don't want to do. But if I believe that it's going to be really helpful for them and I'm getting resistance, I might explore why they're feeling resistant to that uh, certain uh, thing that I think will help. And then finally, I want to talk about this one. That's what's the point of talking about my past? And sometimes it might come up like that. Like there's no, there's no use. I can't change the past. And other times it might come up more like this. It's going to be too painful for me to talk about my past, or I don't want to rehash what happened back then. So I want to encourage you that talking about your past isn't really the point of therapy, but it is a tool that we use in therapy. A lot of times, uh, things, emotional problems that you're having right now come from things that are unresolved in your past, your childhood or young adulthood. When we talk about your past, it's not just so that we can sit on the couch and feel sad about it and talk about how awful your mother was or your stepfather who beat you or, you know, we don't, we don't dwell on those things from your past, but we do use them as learning tools to figure out why things are getting triggered now in the present and what you can do about it. This is how you learn new coping skills. You might learn how you coped as a child and why that's not working for you anymore now as an adult. And the other thing is that it's important to look at our past because we want to be chain breakers, just in the same way that Jesus is. So sometimes we have generational trauma that uh, transmits from your grandparents to your parents to you, and now you have the opportunity to stop it before it goes to your children or to your nieces and nephews or to your coworkers. A lot of people that come into therapy, they may be the first person in their family that has ever sought out a therapist. And I like to encourage them with this idea that uh, when their grandfather was drunk and beating their grandmother, and then their mother saw that and ended up marrying an alcoholic, and then they got beaten themselves there's an opportunity, you as as an adult, a young adult, or even a child now, don't have to live in the same pattern that your family lived in. So when you seek therapy, and especially when it's supported by the scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit, you get to be a chain breaker for your family. And so sometimes it is valuable to look at your past so that we can look at your future. I have a feeling you might have some other hesitations or objections for Christians uh, going to therapy, but these are some of the main ones that I hear um, pretty frequently. I think I'll, I'll top it off with this one that I think is probably the thing I hear the most often. I just need to pray more. I just need to read my Bible. If I were really close to Jesus, this wouldn't be a problem. And let me just encourage you with this. Many of the theologians and pastors and Christian leaders that you know spend hours in their Bible and in prayer and ministering to people every day. As a Christian therapist, I spend time in my Bible. I go to small group. I attend church. I serve. I pray with my family, with myself every day. 
and I still encounter depression and I still go to therapy. So if you see the great models of the Christian faith still struggling with emotional health issues, we can guess that it's not actually how good of a Christian you are. It's more about what's going on in your your family relationships, your brain chemistry, your trauma history. And that's something that therapy can help with. So don't be discouraged by thinking that you weren't a good enough Christian, that you didn't pray enough. By all means, do pray as much as you can. The Bible says pray continually. Also be in the Word. Let the Word encourage you. But don't let that be the reason that you don't go to therapy when you need it. Well, friends, I hope this was a good introduction to some of the topics that we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks here on the podcast. I'm going to be talking soon about how do you find a therapist when you need one. There's a lot of good resources out there, so make sure that you tune in for that. And we'll also be talking about what are the common diagnoses that most of us are facing when we go to therapy. So I hope you tune in next time and be sure to send me your emails with your feedback and your questions and I'll be happy to answer them here on the podcast. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.